Well, good morning. Well, good to see you. Um, well, I hope, yeah, I, I haven't got chocolate. I've been up front at the beginning, and I just don't do things quite the same way as Chris Duffett does, with his amazing ability to entertain. But hopefully, we will start to get into this more. Um, so, uh, this is a grow stream seminar. Um, so, in other words, it's linking in how we do spiritual nurture with our children and trying to explore what what are the issues that we have in terms of deciding whether or not we want our children to take communion and at what stage we feel that's the appropriate thing to happen and whether even we've even considered those questions. So, let's have that. So the first thing I want you to talk about, and it will be a, a seminar where we're talking to each other quite a lot and we are exploring things and are feeling back and then I think we'll be input. The first thing is, what is your experience of communion? What is your experience of your children and communion? Um, and how important is communion to you? Okay. What does it mean to you? So a few minutes to talk to somebody nearby about those things. What is your experience? Um, maybe coming in to look at what the issues, and then we'll take some feedback.
what what communion is about, so they shouldn't be able to do be part of communion. Some uh, issues can be that children might lack the proper reverence. Um, uh, so that might be, and, and don't respect the boundaries of church. Um, some issues might be that we had to wait, so the children have to wait. And that's not necessarily about just being mean. It's about it being something very special. And by wait, being made to wait for something, that increases its significance. Um, there's one thing about the possibility that children disrupt the atmosphere for everybody else. Um, so, uh, and then there's also this idea of a cultural rite of passage um, that uh, you know the, the Roman Catholic Church take, had first communion when children are in year three, around about eight years old, and the reason that's the time is because that's, that's the point at which children start to move from concrete thought into being able to. Uh, rationalise and um, uh, uh, reason in a more uh, a grown-up way. Alright? Being an NEP, we kind of have all of these things to deal with because um, we, we come from a lot of different church traditions. Our church is very beautiful uh, because we focus on everything that which unites us um, and we don't focus on that which is different. But it does mean that we have people who are coming from different uh, traditions. And then there's another significant group who have not come from the Anglican, the URC, the Methodist, the Baptist, or the Free Church, or any other. They're just Campbell people. And that's an increasing group of people in our church who therefore don't have any of this baggage that's to do with denominational tradition and practice. So... This is one of the reasons it all gets a little bit complicated. So I thought it would be quite interesting to work out where we've come from and to think about the history of children of communion and the practices and traditions of the different um, congregations, really. Um, so, so that you know, the Eastern Orthodox and Eastern Roman Catholics, Eastern Roman Catholics as opposed to Latin Roman Catholics, okay, or Catholics, all right. Um, uh, they have a long established practice of children receiving Holy Communion as infants. Um, and often, just a few drops of wine put on the tongue, or um, when they're old enough to actually be able to chew a piece of bread, a few drops of wine put on the top of a piece of bread. Um, and that's never changed as far as I understand it from the fabric. Um, during the Enlightenment, there was an emphasis based on understanding. We've all got to be able to understand. And so at this point, um, that age of reason meant that children were excluded from the sacrament because they couldn't understand. They were excluded from taking communion. Um, and then during the Reformation that followed on from that, um, the Protestant church separated out baptism and confirmation, so being baptised as an infant and being confirmed when you're able to understand what's going on. Um, and at that point, the church said, well, you can't take communion until you've been confirmed. Um, and then the rise of the Sunday school movement further segregated children um, and it confirmed the view that the children were outside of the scope of membership of church. That's actually what it kind of meant. Remember, the Sunday school movement started in about 1775. 
Um, but that children were then excluded from, from it and not felt to be members of the church. They just went on to become Christians. So this is kind of a historical uh, thing to run through. So the next question that I think I want us to consider is for us, what makes a person a member of the Christian community? What makes, what is it that makes one of our children a member of our community? When they become a member of our Christian community? Is there anything that's needed to happen for them to become so? Need to be born. Sorry? They need to be born. They need to be born. <laughs> is there anything else that we require? Not for us. For some traditions there is. But for us, they remember my Christian community as soon as they are conceived, really. As we hopefully support and pray for the, the, the new parents. Okay. Um, I've got that one for, my, for now. There's a link between baptism and communion. So, for the Orthodox Church, baptism and communion are part of one act which unites us. Okay? So, um, got to the wrong page. Forget that one. Go for that one. That one's there. That one's there. There we are. Um, so, yeah, it's all part of one thing. Baptism and uh, having communion is all part of the initiation for a child, and it all happens all at once. And baptism is the same, it's one act that is delayed until the age of understanding. So, for a Baptist congregation, a child will not um, be uh, allowed to take communion until they have been baptised as adults believe as baptism. And then at that point, then they're welcome to take communion. If any of you are from any of these traditions and I say it wrong, for goodness sake, correct me. Um, Anglicans, Roman Catholics and free churches tend to baptise infants and then the children are confirmed a little bit later uh, when it is considered they've reached the age of understanding and are able to profess faith for themselves. Um, and Roman Catholics actually have a programme of First Communion okay. at the age of eight years. I think we've covered most of that. Free churches tend to have an open table where they say, just come. So the United Reformed Church, the Methodist Church, um, most house church movement, Pentecostal movement, just say, if you love the Lord, come. And actually, that's what Matthew says, isn't it? If you love the Lord, you're welcome to come to this table. But for us in our congregation, I've been aware over the years that that doesn't necessarily make it okay for everybody. Because for some people, it's really important, for some parents, it's really important that they want their child to understand what is happening before they're welcome to come to the table. It's not that they're not welcome, but before they are given communion. And so for within our context, it's kind of teasing out how do we support parents in making that choice and how do we support parents who want their children to take communion from you know, this deserve? And is there a problem of any kind? So by the time we get to the end of what we're talking about, I'm really hoping that we'll have teased out what support is needed for parents in all the different kind of 
situations of how we manage communion here and what we might like to see happening going forward. So let's see what the Bible says. So where are we now? What's the Bible say? Nothing. It doesn't actually say anywhere that children should be allowed to take from when they're born. Any of those things. It doesn't, it doesn't tell us. However, I believe these verses are relevant. Um, Matthew 18 verses 1 to 5. About that time the staff came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. I'll make it clear from the beginning, I am perfectly comfortable with all varieties of approach to this. I do believe we need to ensure that children understand that they are welcome. I do also believe that it's perfectly okay and can be managed appropriately to say, sweetheart, when you're a little bit older, you can take I want you to understand a bit more first. So please don't hear as I talk about our approach to, ch- to, to children and what we think of children, but I, I think everybody should let their children have freedom because it's not like, that's not where I'm at. But clearly, we, we all need to come to God as a little child. I've got a lovely line here on that, um, what that actually means. So what does it mean to come as a little child? What in your mind? Okay, actually, yeah, great for a minute. What does it mean to you to come to God as a little child? About a minute. Just talk to each other for a moment. Trusting. Okay. 
got quite a nice bit here. Children are models of God's kingdom. As a human being in the image of God, the child has a special dignity characterised by dependency, helpfulness, openness to the future, questioning, searching, and discovery. He is a person with his own spirituality. We need to think about what children can give and can contribute and what we can learn from them. It's also about not using big words, and when we do use the big words, explain them. Okay, next bit. What else does the Bible say? Let the, let the little children come to me. Matthew 19, 13 to 15. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads <coughs> and blessed them before he left. The only, one, the only time I think I'm going to say when it affects that I kind of want to challenge people is when people say, but it affects having the children and affects everybody else's access. And I kind of want to say, you know what? Tough. And I don't mean that in an unpastoral sense. I just mean we come to worship God to bring the sacrifice of praise and to not accept the children and cope with what they bring, which is always messy, because they're children, is to not bring our sacrifice of praise to God. Does that make sense? And I'm not suggesting, I'm not advocating that the children are in absolutely everything and we never get a correct space. Alright? But when we do have them in, we need to be full of grace as we welcome them to be part of the congregation. That okay? Is that too controversial? No. No? Okay. <laughs> um, last one. I, I do believe that um, communion is all about grace for all of us. So, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So, before we become Christians, whether we're this big or this big, so, just a little bit of biblical underpinning. Yeah, I think that, that point you make about uh, all acceptance is quite interesting because I was saying earlier in one of our earlier discussions that uh, I know a minister who said he went to give communion in a prison. Mm-hmm. And there was this chap who, you know, hadn't had any experience of Christianity at all. Yeah. But he was inviting people for communion and he came and said, could he have some communion? And the minister said yes. And to him, the minister, it was such an experience that showed that you know, he had at least come to witness yeah. something about Christ. Yeah. 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 And this chap yeah. had not been yeah. in a church environment before, yeah. hadn't had the opportunity to either be offered, you know, confirmation yeah. or whatever it is yeah. or talk. Exactly. But what would it have done to his journey to find Christ to have said, no, you can't have communion because you, you don't know anything about what we're talking about. And, and, I, and I think that what very often we box God in and we 
we shut it down because we know that it, the, the only way we can square this circle and understand it is by putting these rules and regulations in around it. It's so much bigger. It just doesn't fit in any box. And, and you know, even when we're going against perhaps what is in the group practice, sometimes it might be absolutely what God wants us to do. So it's kind of holding that lightly in a way. Right, so... What I want us to talk to everyone about now, which is again sharing in your groups, is okay, so we've got a small child, maybe a three or four year old, maybe an eight year old, maybe your own children. What is it that you want them to take to communion? So if we go out for dinner, the person to whom we're going to visit, we will know something about them. But we won't know everything about them. We won't understand everything about them. But we will go and share a meal. And when we're preparing to go to dinner, we might get dressed in posh clothes. We might think, oh, that would be good. We'll get a bottle of wine and we'll take some chocolates. What, what will we take? What is it that we go to with an understanding when we go to the dinner party? So the question, I hope I understand the question I'm asking you, which is, what is it that you want a child of yours or a child in our church to come to communion with in terms of understanding faith? All right, so, so who is Jesus might be the first one. And at what level? Just do you understand what I'm asking you to do? Yes? Okay. I think we'll have a good a good few minutes. So it's now, yeah, about five minutes to try and tease out what things we would like our children to understand when they're coming to know English. About belief. About the Christian faith. Go. <laughs>
things that you'd like to have uh, that you <coughs> think are essential that they, they kind of grasp? What's that? Jesus is. I'm in the way. I'm sorry. Sacrifice that is involved in the, the bread and wine. Yeah. 
the extent of that grasp is probably up for a massive debate, but it needs some, some understanding of what it is. So it's some kind of understanding of the story of Good Friday and the resurrection and that he died for us because of the naughty things we've done. Okay. And then it is really up to you as families to work out at what point you feel they've got enough of that. Um, I know children who trust no through and through. I know two-year-olds who know through and through that God loves them. And I know two-year-olds who have just had Easter who can tell you the Easter story and say, yeah, God died for me. Jesus died for me because he loves me very much. Um, and they would be able to say that that was sad. So is that beginning to be some grasp of the sacrifice? So I think it's for you and your family to work out at what point is that okay. For us as a church, we say all are welcome to the table for the love the Lord. There's um, anecdotal uh, evidence of how, what it feels like to be excluded from communion. And I know I heard some of you saying that as children you were excluded from communion. But one little boy uh, said, I'm not part of Jesus' body. So it's not. What else is on my slide? I think. Yeah. Um, the where I was going to go with that is for for healthy development of an understanding and experience of love in children, which is what we want them to grow up with when they're growing in faith. Okay, is that they grow in love. And there's been a lot of research done that says that five things are needed for children to, to grow in love. And actually, for everyone to grow in love. The first is boundaries. Um, because that helps with security. And once those are both in place, then there needs to be significance. And that's about belonging. And do our children feel they belong to our church? Do they have a greater identity with Young Church? I don't want that. I want them to belong to Campbell Church, of which Young Church is a part. Yeah? And then there's being part of the community because they have significance in the, in the community. They are they know they belong to the community. And their creativity is a really part of their important part of their experience. As it is for adults. We also need to be creative in our everyday lives to continue to grow in love. Because God made us in his image and he is a creator God. 
So I hope that kind of makes sense. I'm, I'm trying to talk about how to develop and what things are needed for you to develop them. And this sense of belonging and being part of the community is a really important part of them growing up, being able to experience and share that. Did yeah. you say there were five, sorry? Yeah, five. So it's, um, I'll make sure I read them out so I don't miss any. Boundaries is first, hang on. Boundaries, security, significance, community, creativity. Okay, it's five finger exercise. All right. um, so, and faith development in children isn't they're not and then they are. Children are born with an innate sense of the transcendent. They know there's a God. Tiny babies are able to be spiritual beings. And we knock it out of them. The danger is that we, that the, the the natural links they have with awe and wonder. Yeah, how long does it take to walk down the street? Oh, by the way, my little boy, by the way, it would take hours because you looked for every single spider web on the way to school, and and we knock it out. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up! You can't do that. You can't do that. And we we, we so tiny children are able to do awe and wonder, and they. They get that there's God is there. Um, a four-year-old was once heard, heard speaking to uh, their baby newborn brother or sister and, and asked the mum and dad to go and I want to talk to him on my own. And, and, and she said, can you remind me what God sounds like because I'm beginning to forget. Um, and, and so there's this, you know, that innate spirituality is there. And Faith development is a process. A tiny baby's faith development is learning to trust. It's the gospel of love and covers and softly spoken words. Alright? And as you get a little bit further on, you start to you know, begin to get some of the stories and understand that God loves you. And once you've identified that there's something other than you, my mommy, alright? And then you get this trusting relationship. Um, and, it, and it goes on. But faith development isn't of the point at which we become a Christian. Which some people do have this experience and some people don't. Um, so it's, it's an ongoing process of which communion needs to form a part. Because it's a tremendously important part. It's the highlight of our service on the communion, isn't it? It's the climax. It's important. Anything else I wanted to say about that? I don't think so. Kids definitely have a faith. What about commitment? Kids do definitely have a faith, but it may not be an adult style commitment. And they may not be able to verbalise it crucially. But does it all have to be about the words? The Protestant tradition is all about words. Prior to the Protestant tradition, there was so much more that was about ritual and um, mysticism and experience. Do we always have to be able to say it? Can it just be bubbling up in us? It just, I'm, I'm trying to challenge us to step back in our thinking a bit sometimes and to see what might be happening in our children. Yeah? yeah? Um, some of the behaviours we see our children uh, exhibiting which may feel very inappropriate to us outside of the various behaviours that we want to have. Um, Often are children knowing that it could be different and exploring what that might look like. 
or feeding off some excitement, they can feel. Because actually, there's a real atmosphere in the church this morning and an excitement about being here together. So we're going to jump out and be a general right there. And our parents are going to um, and, and there's going to be people there. I wish those parents would sort those children out. But sometimes, somehow, it's, it's kind of trying to help all of us have the grace to say, okay, so what might God be doing? God, let me see this child as you are seeing them now as a really useful friend. Okay, I think we've more or less come to the end of. Uh, what I wanted to say um, in terms of that section and we've got just a little bit here where are we going what do we want to achieve so we've got about four minutes left Um, I don't know how what the general feeling is in the room here if I tell you the things that we're already doing to support children with communion um, we in young church we do tell the story of the Last Supper reasonably regularly, um, and we certainly try and make sure we cover that ground around Easter every year. Um, we do remind the children that today we're going to go back and join everybody for communion. Can you remember what that is? Do you remember the stories? We did a little bit of that kind of thing. Um, when we come back for communion, we've always prayed in young church. Um, so although we come in after the sessions as, as in, in, in the main church hall, we, we do pray in the church. We do, we do the things that you're doing. We, we do some teaching and some understanding and some exploring it. But clearly it's, it's often yeah. the moving around and craft types of activities. But we're still doing the same kinds of things. And we do pray and then we come back in and join the teams. Uh, so those kinds of things are already in place. And the children do therefore have some understanding. Um, They do have some understanding. Um, What I'd like to do, but I don't have anyone to help me do it, but I think it would be lovely to have a First Communion kind of idea at Camborne Church. Whether we call it First Communion, we might not. We might just call it... um, a, a course about understanding the Lord's Supper or the Communion or something. And I'd like to run it for a few weeks, say on Monday after school, in autumn term, every year, and then put it out there to, to the parents and to the children and say, you know, would you like to come and find out more about this? So that we start to grow a young congregation that haven't a clearer understanding of what's going on. But again, you know, running something like that requires more than just a James. Um, uh, and so, but uh, any other things or thoughts and what support as any other thing? I mean, would that be something that you'd like to see? Yes? Yeah? Okay. So we as a congregation need to explore how we might make that happen. Um, uh, any comments about the language we use in communion when we have the children in? Um, limiting metaphors. Yeah. Limiting metaphors. Because regardless of the autistic spectrum children, the younger one is further than either. Yeah. Too many metaphors. Mm-hmm. Generally, 
I, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, so many, so many. Yeah. yeah. It's like this. Yeah. And then it's um, accessible to people. Yeah. So that, that real simplicity. Yeah. Um, we've started to try and do a bit more framing for the children. Matthew's saying every time we're in, let's have a practice. Holy, holy, holy. Um, amen, amen, amen. Just trying to put into place for everyone what the expectation is for the behaviour in this service and the bit that you are taking part in. But I think there's possibly some more things we might manage to do to support that framing. Um, have you got any other comments or thoughts? Um, I think the work that the young church does and the sort of Sunday school, it must be integral to the whole of the church because the instruction that the children get, I don't really think, if they can, you know, children who don't attend the um, Sunday school that uh, the young church may, would not get such a, a good experience or good understanding, I don't think, as maybe children who possibly come and attend the services yeah. because all of these things that we've just talked about the schools and you know boundaries and that sort of thing uh, you know I think always need some sort of instruction and yeah, understanding and it's all I think to the, the church and one of the other things that we're trying to do is through the grocery help give parents equip parents yeah. to have some idea of what they could do mm-hmm. in yeah. certain areas Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, one thing that we need to consider is that we're getting an increasing number of young families coming to the 930 yeah. because that's the style of worship that they want to access yeah. and the best of the world I can't be setting up over here and making sure there's something for them yeah. so um, so there's something there for us as a, as a leadership to consider and think about yeah. Um, yeah. has this morning been useful? yeah yeah? Okay, fantastic. Um, please do feedback, anything else. We are just after 10 past, um, and we're going to pray in just a minute to finish our, our act of worship. I wanted to show you that there's a few things here. They're all available over in the bookstore. You need to be a bit careful. This is for the Anglican Church, so it's not necessarily helpful, but it might help you understand some things. My first book about the church is quite nice, uh, but that's a general book. About, so, you know, branches of righteousness. Um, bride, body of Christ. All right? What, branches of righteousness. <coughs> Justification. Okay? Sanctification. Uh, a little book that explains some of the words that we sometimes hear and bang about. I don't think we're too bad on using a lot of that kind of ecclesiastical language in our in our congregation. But um, and then my first book about Jesus. Um, and then these books here are intended, they're little workbooks for children to help them understand communion. Um, they're the kind of thing that I would be giving out if we run a course in a in in a, an autumn term and and, um, and so on, and we would use we would choose one of these, but. They are there for you to have a look at if you want to. Um, and we'll take them back over to the bookstore. So I have a prayer for us. Um, 
the things that are happening at the end. So we're going to pray. We're going to collect our children, please, going through and to the normal exit. We're going to go and meet our angel Gabriel picture. And then there'll be refreshments and bookstore. So if we could pray. May my conversations be significant. May my meetings be blessed. May my path cross the paths of others who love you. May my path cross the paths of others who don't know you. May my touch be your touch of infinite gentleness. May my words be your words of wisdom. May my eyes see with your compassion today and every day. Amen.